Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Pure Hoops podcast, Friday, June 21st, first day of summer, and we are in NBA draft aftermath. Eric Newman in New York, BJ Armstrong in L.A. BJ, an exciting and very intriguing draft night. Uh, first off, what's your uh, general response to the 2019 NBA draft? The draft, um, since I've been a part and you know part of the NBA watching it, has always been very important for many organizations as they're looking for you know players who can really transform their organization and uh, and really help them have building blocks to you know look to pursue you know championship caliber you know franchises and you've for the most part you those players have normally been drafted in the lottery this is the first time that I've ever seen since I've been a part of the NBA where free agency now has taken a precedent over the draft and you saw the movement you saw the multiple picks by teams and you saw many teams making draft picks with this in mind um the draft now, for the most part, you're not going to be able to secure that player that we've many, that many of us in years past or traditionally way of thinking to saying this is going to be the, you know, the David Robinson, the Shaquille O'Neal, the, the the Hakeem Olajuwon's. Those players we're not looking for it now in the draft. We're looking to secure those type of players who will affect winning most. Uh, will be in free agency, and you saw the way that people were drafting, that people now are drafting with that in mind. And I can't recall when I've seen that, or at least my viewer, my viewership, or since I've been a part of the NBA. Yeah, so really interesting, the draft, and, and you, you nailed it. This year, it was used more as a tool to uh, move salary, Change change yes. change positioning, um, yes. not add salary to roster this year and move either into the second round where that money doesn't ca- uh, count guaranteed against your cap, or moving your picks into the future. So it was a it was a real chess match. Uh, I was debating going. I'm glad I didn't because I really got to take it in and have some information in front of me at home with just you know different resources open and. Kind of doing my 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 crazy uh, coach e new whiteboarding, looking at how guys fit on rosters as rotational guys and what the the roster room is. So you know, obviously, we knew what the top three were going to be unless a blockbuster went down. 
I thought the Atlanta Hawks did a, a, some, some really smart maneuvering. Uh, and, of course, the Pelicans trading out of the four spot, um, which was uh, a product of the deal with the Hawks, was interesting, too, as we were talking about pre-show, how the Pelicans have reloaded their roster and the haul they've gotten in return for Anthony Davis, which, of course, is what you were talking about in terms of landing that star. So the Lakers land that star, and the Pelicans are now rebuilding on the fly with all these young, uh, all these assets and young talent. So I expected a bigger deal to happen last night. Obviously, through the Celtics' lens, I was hoping something more major would happen. But, you know, they moved the Baines contract. They get a couple of guys that could play right away. They're kind of resetting their culture right now. Is there a team you thought last night made a move that isn't necessarily getting a lot of attention right now but you think could be very pivotal for them uh, once training camp comes around? Well, I think the moves that we're, t- we're, that we're referring to are, are moves that are gonna refer- that's going to actually you can see in the win and loss column. And those moves will all be made in free agency. You know, as you look at the draft, you know, it's just these kids are so young that we're talking about three, four years when we're going to actually see a return on investment uh, as far as what are their, what are their contributions going to be to winning and, and to a winning culture. So, you know, I, I look at most of these players and you go, okay, you got a couple players that you see – that maybe can fit into a rotation uh, here, but I think the biggest one of the biggest moves has been what what Utah has done with Mike Conley. I think that's been a really good move for them. It gives them an upper echelon guard um, who is capable of playing the game at the highest level, and it allows their players to kind of settle in. You know, I think Donovan Mitchell will be better. I think their their bigs will be better because of this move, um, and he's. You know, he's battle-tested. So um, I think, if anything, what I've seen thus far, that was probably the biggest move that will show up in the, in the win and loss column. And all the other moves that you saw last night are projections, right? Um, you know, when you look at these rosters and you look at these young kids, you're making a projection. And um, as you know, that's very difficult to see. If we, if we would have known what we, you know, you know if we would have known then what we know now, you know, I don't think Steph Curry would have slipped to seventh. I don't think Kawhi Leonard would have slipped to where he slipped in the draft. You know, Michael Jordan was drafted oh, third. Course, you know, you can go on and on. <laughs> there's, down there's, the list, there's, yeah, so. yeah. No, no, for sure. There's, there's, there, there, listen, talent, talent evaluation. We've talked about this both on mic and off mic. I mean, it's an art to itself and teams are looking for different things. Some teams are looking for positional, positional fits. Other teams are looking for, uh, projects for later. Other teams are, are looking for best player available. I, I definitely think that um, the whole winners and losers of the NBA draft, like that concept, and that unfortunately is part of this clickbait culture, which we're trying to avoid. Like, how do you grade someone's draft pick 24 hours after the draft? You know what I mean? Well, you can talk yeah. about who, yeah. who, you th- who, you, who you think who you think potentially selected a talent that's going to fit the team. But the whole winners and losers thing is obviously based towards, you know, building an audience around talking about the draft. But it's it's impossible to do. I, I, I like to just look at who drafted for the immediate future, right? The tomorrow, right around the corner. And then who drafted for 
way down the road. And when I say drafted, either drafted or made a move. I'm really excited by what the Chicago Bulls were able to do, drafting Kobe White. The Suns at, uh, at number six needed a point guard. And, and we've talked about potential fits on that team next to um, Booker and Ayton. And, you know, they make a deal where they, they get Saric from Minnesota. But they could have filled that need there with a, a high-level prospect. And instead, White goes to the Bulls, and he fits in perfectly with that youth movement, with Markinen, Carter, Otto Porter, Zach Levine. And I just really liked what I saw from White at North Carolina. I, I, think, he's, uh, I think he's got a very high talent ceiling, and, and I just think they're in a really, really good place moving forward coming out of this draft. And, uh, you know, the Celtics, people were expecting a deal, as I mentioned. Romeo Langford, I feel like, is the, um, the quote-unquote risk pick with an extremely high upside. But I absolutely love Grant Williams from Tennessee. How hard he plays, the physicality, the intensity, and in many ways he's a point forward and a versatile player that, that fits what the Celtics um, really are, and they need to be a sum of their parts despite all of this other noise coming out of the Celtics. They, are, they need to reset and move forward around that young talent. So um, it, it's always interesting to speak about the draft through different lenses. Um, one thing that you've talked about with great passion since we've been doing this is um, your experience and view of the Knicks organization and how much you'd love to see the Knicks get back to winning for what it would mean to the league and to New York. Um, how exciting is it to see them get this right and go with a guy that is not only extremely talented, but has a unique connection through his grandfather's fanship and wants to be in New York, and that's R.J. Barrett? Well, the, the thing that I'm most excited about the Knicks is that they are organized and they have the discipline to say no. You know, it's easy. It's easy to get seduced by yes, we have cal- we have salary cap space, and you signed a player just because. And you know, it's in you know, in terms of having to build this through the draft and and build a a, a team that can have sustainability. Okay, the Knicks traditionally haven't done that. They've they've gone out and either acquired players through trade a la Carmelo Anthony, through free agency, or what have you, and added pieces um, to their team to build and, and bypass the building process. Whether the Knicks get a player this year or not, the fact that they are in the game, to me, is a win. They've already won. The fact that they are, in, they are being mentioned with the possibility of a Kevin Durant, the fact that they are being mentioned with Kawhi Leonard, they've already won. And now it's just having the discipline to say, you know what, we're going to continue with the process. So I like what they're doing because there's only one way to do it, right? Everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to do what the Warriors have done. But when you look at the Warriors' foundation, they drafted Steph Curry. They drafted Klay Thompson. They drafted Draymond Green. And then you add a piece – at some point, hopefully, and whether that piece turns out to be Kevin Durant or you add an Andre Iguodala to that union, that's how you have sustainability 
um, and everyone needs a little luck. But first of all, you got to build the foundation. So I applaud what the Knicks are doing is that they're going through the process. There's no way to cheat around becoming a great player. You have to work for it. And now I think what they're doing is, is, is par for the course. You know, you look at the Atlanta Hawks right now. They are building mm-hmm. a nice little team there through the draft, right? It might not pay dividends next year or the year after, but, you know, you keep adding the Trey Youngs. And, and then, you know, this year you pick up DeAndre Hunters. I'll tell I'll tell you I'll I'll tell you what I'm not about to start making you know 2020 playoff predictions but with how wide open the Eastern Conference is likely going to be this season in terms of okay if Kawhi Leonard leaves we know the odds of Kyrie Irving and Al Horford uh, wearing a Celtics uniform again are minute there's going to be teams emerging in the East and Trey Young John Collins. Uh, Kent Bazemore, who will be an unrestricted free agent next summer. Um, Hunter from Virginia, who they drafted. They have Alan Crabb, who can shoot the heck out of the basketball. This team, at worst, is going to be a really exciting, fun, young basketball team. At best, they could be playing meaningful games in early April, fighting to get into the playoffs. So uh, you, you I mean, nailed it there. Atlanta is a team that's really creating yeah, a, and that's a, nice, like a nice identity for themselves, and they're doing it the right way. They're doing it in the they're doing it in the exact way that you've talked about. And you know, the Knicks. It's Knox. It's Barrett. It's Dennis Smith. It's Mitchell Robinson, whose contract is minute, and that's their young core. And if they could attract uh, a talented player or two to come. Um, be the veteran and the leader of that team while they grow. That's great. If not, yeah, say, then as you yes. said, they got to stay the course, and they're not going to get into this fool. They're not going to get into this foolish game of spending this money and bringing and, in and, guys and, just and, because they're out there. So yeah, no, I, I, I think, think most um, executives will tell you, you know, you get so much credit on the big trade, right? The big, the big trade, but the executives they define their luck about what they didn't do. And you just never know where and when this great player yeah. is going to come from, right? Is it going to come via a trade through the trading deadline next year? You have to be prepared for that. Is he going to be there in the draft? Is he going to be there in free agency? And most important, Eric, which he may be there in your building right now so he can develop from within. We may – they Knox may develop, you know, these young players that they have. Or maybe R.J. Barrett is – a. So again, uh, such a good, you have such to a be good prepared point. to identify this great player in any of those four places, and be prepared. And the Knicks are in the game. This is what I love about the team. It's like you got to be in it to win it. Right? It's like the lotto. You have to be in it in the game to even have an opportunity. And the Knicks are there. They are there. They have everything you're looking for. And now we just have to identify this great player. You know and. Certainly the obvious great player based on what we saw through college basketball was Zion. The Knicks had a 14 or 15% chance to get there. Now, does that mean that if given a choice to go to New Orleans or New York, if Zion had a choice, he probably picks New York. But that's the way the ball that's the way the balls came out yeah. and you move on. So I like what they're doing. I know there's a lot been said in the in, in the in the news about yeah, and their teams and and all of the stuff, but in the end, 
they've done as good a job as any, and they continue to have the discipline to stay the course. And that's the most important thing as you're building a franchise. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what's really interesting? You look at the moves that have happened. Obviously, we're talking about uh, Zion and we're talking about Barrett. So Zion is not going to the Pelicans team that was uh, const- as constructed when they won the lottery and got the first pick to get him. He's going to a Pelicans team now with Lonzo Ball and possibly Drew Holiday uh, in the backcourt. I believe they will entertain offers for him and and, and move him in his uh, large contract, but he's a, he's a very good player. Brandon Ingram at the small forward and Zion next to him at the four. Uh, th- this is an incredible opportunity for him not to have to shoulder all of that pressure as the young rookie, knowing Anthony Davis was going to be gone. But they've got the right guys next to him. They all do different things. Lonzo Ball is going to love the fact that he's got the scoring small forward in Ingram, the combo veteran guard next to him in Holiday. And then what him and Williamson, Zion, are going to do in the open floor is going to be flat-out scary. And on the flip side of that, R.J. Barrett coming to the Knicks and knowing he's a versatile, aggressive you know, wing player who likes to handle the basketball, who has the ability to drive the ball, has the ability to pass the ball, has really good size— him and Knox, I think, are going to work really, really well together. So this has worked out really well for the young guys. And as you know, this is all about fit and the right place. And, and I think it's going to be good for, for both of them. So, you know, sticking on the, the New York theme, you know, obviously we've been hearing the, the Kyrie rumblings for quite some time that there's a very good likelihood that he would pick uh, Brooklyn and the Knicks have now kind of faded into the background. Earlier this week, though, ahead of the draft, the reports are lingering and more like looming that Brooklyn doesn't want to bring in Kyrie unless he's bringing KD with him. And this is very, very interesting chess match because uh, D'Angelo Russell, as we know, is a restricted free agent. And he had a rebirth with Brooklyn, made the all-star team. They were the sixth seed in the playoffs last year. Um he seemed to fit in very, very well with the team and the organization. He's 23 years old. Kyrie and Russell, to me, are not a good fit in the same backcourt. So if you're Brooklyn, what do you do here if Kyrie Irving is coming just himself, not bringing another big name with him? What's How do you weigh this? Kyrie Irving at this point coming off of this season, which was um, controversial with the Celtics to say the least, or are you bringing back Russell, paying him, and moving forward that way? Well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big question, right? Um, I guess it yeah, – I, I try, it's, it's I try to question. give you good questions, good question. don't I? Um, so basically you're saying – Okay, so put, put on the BJ – Put on the BJ. Yes. Put on the BJ Armstrong GM hat for a moment, because this is this is a huge decision for that franchise. Huge. Well, if when I look at and when you when I look at building a team, I just try to look at a couple things. One, does it fit your timeline? Meaning, where are all your players at in this timeline? Uh, example. Um, you know, the Lakers obviously had good young pieces, right? We're talking about Brandon Ingram. You're talking about Kyle Kuzma. You're talking about Lonzo Ball. But it didn't fit the timeline of their best player. And their best player 
is in the now moment. Mm -hmm. You know, as I look at Kyrie Irving, as a young player, as I watched him when he first came in the league, um, we all seem to be shocked that the way things turned out in Boston. Now, I watched him as a young player. If I recall correctly, they never made the playoffs prior to LeBron James coming back. Okay. So this is nothing Correct. new to people who've been watching the game and observing the game. This isn't new, okay? This isn't new. Now, the last number one pick, the last number one pick, all right, I'll give you a little fact. The last number one pick that has made the playoffs has was in 2008. And you're talking in about his in first his first season. You're talking about in his first season. In his first season. The last number one pick, okay. Okay. Refresh. Has been was was Derrick Rose. Refresh me. Who was that? Okay. So mm, when you okay. talk about, yeah, two thousand two two thousand two thousand nine playoffs, first round against the Celtics. Yes. That series so actually took five years off my life. Impact player. Okay, not numbers. Okay, I get it. Now we're into numbers. We're into numbers. But we talk an impact player who affects your bottom line, okay? That's the last one, okay? Mm -hmm. it's, and that was 2008. Now, let's go back even farther. You know who the last one was before that? Okay? That Off was Tim Duncan my in head? 1997. No. Okay. Now... When you see an wow. impactful player, and there's been some number one, but we, we got LeBron James in there. Okay, you got Yao Ming in there. Okay, you you have some, you have some very Anthony Davis is in there. Anthony you, Davis, you, you know, Kenyon Martin, Dwight Howard, Andrew Bogut, Bonyani. You have some, some. So when we're talking about building a team, in the end, are we talking about just building a team on numbers and trying to win the the headlines, or are we trying to win games? Kyrie Irving is an exceptional talent. He's an exceptional talent. But if I ask Kyrie Irving to do something that he's not comfortable doing yet, then it has the potential to, you know, I don't know who you blame because you, you, I think we all agree, you're not going to find a talent. There aren't a lot of Kyrie Irvings just roaming around. So, no, no, he's he's in a he's an elite talent. He's a generational talent at his position. He's a very talented and player. You I'm, know, he's I'm, a very talented you know, player. As far as he's a very talented talking, player, very you know, talented but, player, and 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 he doesn't want to he doesn't want to be in Boston, and that's his decision. My question is, and you were getting to it with, do you want to make the headline? Do you want to win games? So, do you think the Brooklyn Nets? have a better future with paying Russell, knowing that you've got Dinwiddie on the books through 2021 at a reasonable salary. You've got Karis Levert as a restricted free agent next summer. And you've got cap space and excitement I, I, around I like this young team. Do you think that's the better road? There a year ago. I like it. I, 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 like, I like their team. Right, They had a good spirit about them. I mean, 
They had a, I mean, they 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 were like terrific they, spirit about them, and and a and a fun and a fun style of play. Joe Harris and even guys like Ed Davis, who are just gonna leave it all on the floor for you. Like you love watching a team like that play because they're they're playing the right way. They're shooting the ball. They're playing yeah, fast. So I, I, I totally like their team. I like their spirit. Totally. I love Kyrie's talent. Um. But I love what they were building, okay? I love what they were building. I love the fact that they all they, – they seemed to get along. And there was, like, good young pieces there. Now – Yeah, and, and one more thing. You know, I left out Jared Allen. So, Jared Allen, they drafted uh, I'm not him, really sure. correct? I think they did. <laughs> Karis LeVert drafted him. Dinwiddie, you know, has been around, and they uh, – oh, yeah, he was a second-round pick. And then Russell, obviously, they got in the Laker deal for Brook Lopez. So, in many ways, Brooklyn's following the blueprint that you always bring up with the Warriors, is drafting these guys or, or getting these young, talented players with these salaries where they're not going to have to break the bank and bring in people from the outside until they are complementary role players that are helping you – reach that next level. So Brooklyn's already there with that core. So I hope they would continue forward in that way. But as you said earlier with the Knicks, yeah. will they and, and, give and in and to I, that I, temptation and, and I want to say this about Kyrie. If Kyrie is coming with a Kevin Durant, now that makes sense to me. That makes total sense. Kyrie alone, with what they were continuing to build Based on what I saw, just from afar, I don't know anything. And Sean Marks and these people will know, the general manager out there in Brooklyn, they will know much better than I would. But I would think that Kyrie is in a now moment in his career. Kyrie's not looking to build like a D'Angelo Russell's timeline is as a player. So and I, when I look at the Brooklyn Nets, I don't see Kyrie coming there and all of a sudden, I mean, you know, it's, I, don't, I don't see that being the answer, him alone. I see, you know, if he's bringing someone with him and then you can add a few pieces around, especially in the East, him and a, an, a, another, uh, you know, a, a full bolt player or a maximum uh, salary player, I see that working. Would 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 a would a Kyrie Irving Tobias Harris combination? Well, here, here here's the, the thing. Bill for you. Here's the thing, Eric. And, and you're you, the you, next. I I have to stick to championship caliber basketball. I look at these players, and people throw everyone throws mm -hmm. these terms out. He's he's a great player. He's a transformational player. He's a, he's this. Eric, if you want if. He's a superstar. He's a superstar. He's a superstar. I always look at the teams who can defend their positions. Okay, I don't think you can build a team mm -hmm. around two players, and and and, and I and I and I, I I I love Tobias's game, but I don't look at Tobias as a as an all NBA defender. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't look at him Agreed. being able to have yep. the versatility defending like I see a Clay Thompson. Like Clay Thompson is a defensive, you know, as good as he is on the offensive end, he's a very versatile. For sure, he is. He is. 
Tobias Harris, yeah, Tobias Harris is not a a two-way star. Yeah, 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 Tobias Harris they're, is a very talented right? scoring front-court player who can rebound. Impact on that side of the ball, like a Kawhi Leonard, like a Kobe Bryant, like some of those players who can defend on that side. Now, offensively, you gotta love him. This guy is a is a is a is he's. He, he's a 20-point scorer. He does some really nice things. He has good size. And he's a pro. Okay? This isn't a knock. This is just – it is what it is. He is – he can play the game at the highest level. But when you're talking about playing championship caliber basketball, that's a different game. It's a, just, that's just – Kyrie Irving is not a defensive-oriented player. Okay, Steph. Curry, you could say the same thing about Steph Curry, but it's countered because they have, you know, a defensive player of the year in Draymond Green. They have Andre Iguodala, who is a All NBA sure. defensive player and, and, at one and, point. And, and and to and to and to their credit, both of them have yes. at least and, and, put and, forth defensive effort. But again, uh, in but, recent uh, but years, again, trying to win, it, you it's can't just not their forte. ask so Steph Curry to I'm suddenly be an All Defensive Player. That's just not. It's not that he's not giving you the effort. It just is what it is. But now in saying that, can they build, you know, maybe they get a shot blocker or, or maybe whatever. It is. Maybe Gobert is the – I don't know what the answer is. But when I look at that, I go, I like what they can do offensively for sure. They can score points. But they're going to have some tough nights defensively because that's not what they do. And every coach and every team, if you're going to – meet the expectations, you have to defend. You have to defend. I mean, the Houston Rockets are the greatest example. You have to defend. So, you know, that's fine. You win. They'll, those two alone would win their fair share of regular season games. Now, when we get to championship caliber, I don't know how they match up with a Giannis. I don't know how you match up with a Kawhi. I don't know how you match up with the other teams where suddenly – now they have the, the same ability that we have, you know, Ben Simmons and all that. So someone's got to stop somebody. And that's, to me, I'm just looking at it from a championship caliber lens. And, uh, but again, if those players said they wanted to come, I don't say how you don't take them. And you got to figure out, I guess that's your goal as a general manager is to figure out how to, to uh, build from there. For sure, they're in a, they're in a good position. I, I think this is um, the, the decisions they're going to make in the next two weeks are going to heavily affect where this franchise goes over the next uh, three to five years. I think, and I don't think there's anything wrong with staying the course as we discussed with this this young nucleus. Um, one thing last night that um, kind of breaks your heart a little bit, and you know, you played. Uh, back in the day when there was a seven foot seven slender big man playing for both the Bullets and the Warriors named Manute Bull roaming the floor. And watching his son, who was projected kind of all over the place in the draft, and watching him having to sit there until pick number 44 when he went to the Miami Heat go off the board, and he literally looked like when he got introduced and the name was called, I mean, he literally looked like he was on the way to a funeral. Um, what, what can the NBA do to avoid this happening again? I mean, 
isn't it better when someone's pleasantly surprised and they're at home and they release a video on social or whatever it is? And I, th- this was just painful last night watching watching Bull Bull just sit there just in misery Eric, till the forty fourth pick. For better or for worse, is this problem is only on only going to persist and get bigger. You know, uh, last night there were twenty four guys invited to the green room this year okay and i mentioned to a colleague of mm-hmm. mine i said you know what the first player that gets drafted it's not in this room is going to cause chaos and that first player was the what's the kid cam the kid that got the kid uh, the kid that gets drafted by yeah yeah the kid uh, uh, by the Finney. johnson yeah. cameron now, that's going to cause chaos yeah cameron johnson yeah, so who goes who goes now, who goes I've been, eleven? I've been in this draft and I, and I and I realize right there's thirty players that are going to get drafted and there's two thousand of them all saying that their agent is telling them they're going to be in the lottery right <laughs> or in the first round. It's just impossible and because mathematically it's impossible for all of these kids who are one and done or some of them you know you know whether they're international players or they choose to go to the G League or what have you. It's just impossible. So you're going to see this is going to be more and more common. Bull was just one of the names and probably the biggest name. But there, he wasn't alone. There were hundreds of players who didn't get drafted last night who, if you asked them a week ago, they were all going between 20 and 30. You know, the, the other kid from North Carolina um, right. who slipped to like 25th, you know, um, uh, yeah, Nasir Little. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, Nasir Little, who went to the Trailblazers, and and, yeah, so and was wearing Trailblazers colors, by the way. These kids, it was very, it was very, it was very convenient for him, at an alarming rate. And I've seen this has been about the last ten to fifteen years, right, where I'm seeing more and more of these kids coming out because of whatever, wherever they're coming out, and then they're slipping into the second round. They're slipping out of the draft. And then all of a sudden, you know, years later, you know, and you can just look at how many players are playing abroad and look at how many players are playing in the G League because this is happening. This is the reality. So when these young kids come into the NBA at 18, 19 years of age, okay, three years later, that same kid, right, uh, is only 22 if he's 19. He's still a young kid maturing, mm-hmm. trying to figure out his game, but there's no place for him to develop and mature. So th- this is what you're going to see now right. more and more, and this is the problem that you know I've been saying for the last 15 years. Where are we going to send the domestic kids to develop? Unlike the international kids, because the best young players in the NBA currently are the international players because they have an opportunity to develop. And this is going to be our issue. It's yeah. not whether or not that, that you know, Nasir Little and these guys, they have the talent. No, no question about it. Bowl, bowl, or all of these kids are incredibly talented. They have the talent to play in the NBA, but you need talented players to, that can stay in the NBA, and that only comes with experience. So every year, when you look at the, out yep. there on the floor for the teams who win, they always go for the most experienced players they can find. That's what the coaches understand in this league. And that involves something that many coaches don't have the 
you know, don't have the availability, which is they need unconditional playing time. What Brett Brown is doing there in Philadelphia, to me, that's an anomaly. You go through the process, and then you have an opportunity to to cash in on what you've developed. Because normally, that guy gets fired. And this is this is the issue with the NBA. Sure. This is For the sure. problem and, and, that we're all and, facing. This is an NBA problem. This isn't. So what you saw last night, you're just starting to see it on camera, which all of us who've been in the league have been seeing for the last 10 to 15 years. What are we going to do to develop these young kids who are making these decisions? And we see the talent. It's no denying that they have the talent to play. But where are they going to play? These players... LeBron James is going into year 17, and he's only 33 yeah. years of and age, how, right? How, 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 right. 35 uh, yeah, or something, yeah, he'll, right? No, he'll be, he'll be 35 in December. But your, your, point, your, your, point, your point on development is, is so spot on because, as we've talked about before, right organization, right setting, right coaching staff, right player development, um, either person or group. And – there's so many variables that exist for these 19-year-olds who come into the league, and it's it's almost like a science. And and who can develop these kids, and how do they fit into your your team and culture? So, you know, before we wrap, something we were talking about before we we started the episode, um, we was so uh, both surprised and happy to see the Golden State Warriors at 41. Um, be able to get uh, Eric Paschal from Villanova because he's the type of kid that will fit right into the Warriors' culture and system. He's a winner from Villanova. He's a versatile six foot seven forward. He played. Um, he was freshman of the year at the uh, in the A ten at Fordham before he transferred to Nova. He's won a national championship. He's played in big games, and he does a lot of the intangibles that. Draymond Green has been doing for years, which has made him, you know, a, a, an all-star and a very valuable player for them. So, you know, we talk about nurturing this talent, and then you see a kid like Pascal who played as long as he could in college, gets into the draft, could have gone anywhere from, I think, you know, 22 to 45, and he goes 41, but look where well, he ends yeah, up I mean, with the Warriors. I, I, I love hearing those stories about these intangibles, right? And as, a, as an ex-player myself, you know, yeah, I, 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 I can sit here and tell you all the, the intangible things I brought to the game. The, the, the problem with intangibles is the following. You know, I'm, I just use myself as an example, right? I was able to play and, and shoot with a high percentage and all of those things from three-point land and all of those things and win championships and I can tell you how great I was and so forth but the truth of the matter is you know what all of that was because of one player Michael Jordan I was open for a reason (laughs) okay yeah because it's more than two guys to defend Michael Jordan okay all of these intangibles start because Steph Curry is a very unique player and Clay Thompson is a very unique. There you player. have it. They they now not only do they shoot the ball with from distance, they shoot the ball with a, such a high accuracy that now the intangibles become a, 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 a huge part because no one yet has figured out how to defend 
not one guy, but two guys who shoot with such accuracy. Now, the problem with guys who are going to play there with the Warriors now, okay, because I had to face this as a player, right? Playing with Jordan is one thing. Then playing without Jordan is another. Now we're going to ask these players with the intangibles <laughs> yeah. to find out what the rest of us players all know. That league is tough, okay? And now it's a different game when Clay and Durant and those guys aren't available, okay? Andre Iguodala is getting older, you know? Maybe there's now no Livingston. So now you're going to ask all of the intangible players to do things that they haven't been asked to do. Yep. Yeah. Leave, so leave the comfort yeah, zone so that, of that role. I, I remember having that responsibility of, yeah, playing with Jordan, great. I knew he was going to get double teamed every night. <laughs> okay. I knew that. All right. It, it wasn't that I felt I was a better player than, like, say, a yep. Mark Jackson or anyone, but I knew Mark Jackson had to help Reggie Miller. And when Mark Jackson helped, it was my job to make that shot. And because I knew if Michael Jordan could play one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one against Reggie Miller, that we were going to win that matchup 10 out of 10 times. That, that's the game that's being played here. Now, minus M Michael Jordan and when Pete Myers, who replaced Michael Jordan the year he retired the first time, now that's a different ball game. <laughs> that's a... That's a Poor Pete Myers. I remember. I remember how difficult that seemed. It's like Mike's gone. You guys keep the rest of the core intact, but Pete Myers okay, is the guy that's yeah. That's a different game. It's a, it's a different. Now the rough. matchup, you know, at the guard position is a different matchup. Okay, and so I personally, you know, as I watch the Warriors, I will say this. The Steph Curry that we knew and that we've come to love and say, you know, he's what, back-to-back -back MVP and all those things. That guy who was back-to-back -back MVP has to change his entire game for next year's team. And that's going to be – that's difficult yep. at this stage of his career because he has had so much success one way where now he, along with everyone else, the way Kerr, Steve Kerr prepares for the game, the way Draymond Green – the way their team, how they're going to build their team, at what pace, so forth and so on, you know, that's going to be a different game for everyone involved. So every year is different. And I, and, I, and, I, and I hear these guys, you know, who have intangibles. But I will say this. If we were so smart in the NBA, why did we miss Draymond Green? How did he slip to the second round? We all missed him. We all missed, and some of us missed them twice. Great, no, some of us he, not only great, missed them great the question. first time. Okay, we missed sure. them twice because he wasn't like the first pick in the second round. So again, things happen. Nope. You know, unique talents come about, and it's just the right fit. And certainly, Draymond is a very gifted, talented young man. But again, you never know, and it takes, you know, a unique talent. You know. Uh, when you see things and it happened, but we didn't know Draymond was going to be, we didn't know Ginobili was going to be Ginobili. We didn't know that. And, and, and it's, it's very obvious being around that, you know what? We talk about the draft and it's one thing I will say, the only thing that I've learned over my 30 years in this league that you can draft 
is you can draft toughness. Because you, you can get seduced by the talent. But toughness is the only thing that you can draft. Because the most, competi- because the most competitive players are the oh, players man. who stick around in this league. And I, I will say that about the draft. You know, we talk about, you know, what we look for, length, and this guy's got a 40-inch vertical. In the end, if there's a loose ball, who's going to get it? That's it. That's the NBA in a nutshell. (laughs) And if your guy is not tough enough to stick his nose in there, you have no chance to not only play in this league. Your talent will get you drafted, no doubt about it. You got to – you you know, but if you really – yeah, yeah. If if you no really, chance to stick, really no chance to fall down to what you can really draft, you draft toughness, and that to me is what makes some of these general managers and executives they're cut, their head and shoulders, or they're cut above the other guys because they understand that very principle of that's about the only thing you really can get out of the draft is toughness. Great way to great way to close the episode. We are entering. A, um, a summer that I think is going to be both very exciting and um, a bit of the great unknown here with so much going on around injuries, teams retooling and all that. So, BJ, great job today. Special thanks, as always, to Bruce Bernstein, Benjamin Wolfen, the entire Pure Hoops media team. Be sure to check out all of our shows uh, at the top of next week. The Mike Wise Show dropping on Monday, Catch and Shoot. Wednesday, Bucket Sports and Blocks Thursday. And next week, of course, we'll be back with the Pure Hoops podcast talking trades, NBA free agency, and the summer is here. An exciting time. Have a great weekend, everybody. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.